Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Double FM Sports. I'm Ethan Fager. And I'm Jared Miserak. And we're doing a, uh, another news podcast. But before we get into it, got a good friend of mine here, uh, my buddy Adam. So why don't you introduce yourself to the podcast? What's up, guys? I'm Adam Weatherhold. I'm here with JR today. Huge soccer fan and uh, ready to dive deep on this World Cup. And just like Adam mentioned, this is going to be our World Cup special episode. We mentioned in the last two podcasts that we were going to do this, and this is it. So I'm just going to go through what we're going to exactly talk about when doing this podcast. So we're going to go through like the group stage, our tournament winners, sleepers, busts, and players to watch slash be excited for. So let's head into the group stage. Yeah, I mean... I guess we can obviously start out with Group A. You've got Qatar, the hosts, Ecuador, Senegal, Netherlands. I think we're going to do a little bit of a round table sharing our two that get out, maybe talk about it a little bit. So, um, Adam, I'll let you start with this one. All right. Well, no surprise. Netherlands, I've got top in the group. They've got a very solid squad with, you know, it's deep rostered, especially in the defense. The goalies are struggling a little bit, but. You know, you've got Van Dyke back there. You've got DeVry back there. You've got Dumfries. You know, you have the solid back line that's going to keep clean sheets and win games. And then uh, in second, I've got Senegal. They've got also very good squads, strong players. And Edouard Mendy in net. You got Koulibaly, Drissaganagay, Mane up top. You just have overall some solid players. And then there's some spots that lack, like the wing backs. But other than that, they've got a solid team. Uh Ecuador have gotten third just because they don't really have that single standout player. They've got Estupinan who plays for Brighton, but he's not really been performing for them lately. So I see them finishing in third and Qatar, I don't even see getting a win. So they're going to be sitting in fourth. And if I'm not mistaken, this is Qatar's like first World Cup or something, right? Because they it hosted. Is indeed. Yep. And the only reason that they got in was because they're hosting. Yep. <laughs> um, so I'm kind of on board with you, Adam. I think Netherlands and Senegal are going to be the two teams. I don't think Ecuador has enough firepower to get over Senegal. I think Netherlands is going to be in the top regardless. So I got Netherlands and Senegal top two there. Yeah, I'm pretty much going to you know copy what you guys have. I think it's it's one of the more obvious groups throughout the World Cup. I mean, as Adam said, you know, Qatar is literally only in there because they're hosting, which is controversial in its own right. But, um, yeah. you know, it's a, it's pretty much a three-horse a three horse race. And, you know, to Ethan's point, Ecuador doesn't necessarily have the firepower, in my opinion. But, yeah, I, I would copy it. Go Netherlands 1, Senegal 2, Ecuador 3, and Qatar at 4. Mm-hmm. Um, going into Group B, I'm, keep that same order. I don't... All right. Uh, group B is going to be fairly competitive. Because England, obviously ranked fifth in the world right now. They're finishing first. They've got a fairly solid squad. They've got Harry Kane up top, Raheem Sterling. They've got young talent in Phil Foden and Bukayo Saka. Pickford as their number one goalkeeper has been doing very well this season. Maguire, slabhead, you know, hopefully he'll start on the bench for him because he's just not consistent. But, you know, they also, they've got a deep roster. They've been playing very well recently in the Prem at their own teams. So I think they're top in the group. Um. U.S., Wales, and Iran, this this is a crapshoot. But um, obviously, I'm hoping for the U.S. So I'm thinking U.S. is finishing second. They'll get a big win against Wales. 
I'm thinking because, you know, Wales, decent attacking force. Defense, lacking. And then uh, Wales, I'm going to place in third. Bale is kind of falling off, you know, and they just don't have enough creativity in the midfield for me. And then Iran, they do have Mehdi Taremi, who's a fantastic striker, but they don't really have anybody other than him. So I'm placing Iran at fourth with England and U.S. getting through. Yeah, I'm kind of on that same wavelength, too. I think I think the U.S. will beat both Wales and Iran, and then that'll just be enough for them to get in. And then England, like you said, number five team in the world. Don't really see any reason for them to not really get in this tournament here. Yeah, I mean, England is obviously not only a favorite to win this group, I think, but also to win the whole entire tournament. Um, so no surprise that we all three have England moving on. And, you know, it, it is pretty competitive there between the last three teams. I think as early as probably a year ago, I've heard about Iran being a, a sleeper team. Now, the truth of that, I don't know how much there is, but I'm going to, I'm going to pull for the U S obviously, you know, being from there, the home country, I'm, I'm going to hope they get, you know, get through. Not exactly sure between Wales and Iran who, who will be, you know, three or four, but I, I think it'll be the, you know, the United States and England topping that group, but you know, it, it is a fairly competitive group. Before we get into group C here, dive a little bit deeper into the u.s you know we haven't we've got we've got a couple questions i think the biggest one being the striker position the number nine who do y'all who do y'all see you know being that number nine and what do you think that this u.s squad has to do to you know make a deep run in the tournament this year oh well we have a lot of solid options we've got jesus ferreira who was the mls young player of the year we've got ricardo pepe we've got Eunice musa we've got timothy wea and i think the most important thing is keeping the players healthy because as we've seen pulisic has struggled with injuries and he was one of our top players at the um at the last world cup in 2014 being very young and um I think that we just really need to keep our consistency with healthy players because we've got a solid squad. We've got Zimmerman long at the back. We've got Yedlin at the back Dest, and Zach Steffen, Matt Turner, solid goalkeepers. Tyler Adams can be a very influential point in our team. He's a CDM sits deep as a six. If he can stay consistent at Leeds for the next week or so, before the World Cup, can stay healthy, he's going to be crucial in the team. Same thing with Brendan Aronson. Brendan Aronson, Cam, winger, striker, whatever. He can play anywhere, a very versatile player. He needs to stay healthy as well. And also Gio Reyna. I think the three of those players are going to be crucial in going deep into this tournament. Yeah, you mentioned injuries. I mean, since this World Cups, I, I watched a little piece. Since the World Cups in November, you know, a lot of these players only have a couple – days maybe even days to like get ready for the world cup whereas in the summer a lot of seasons or any they get a couple of weeks to try to recover from those injuries so i thought it's just interesting that it's in november this time around but i think the u.s there i'm i'm very high on the u.s team i think obviously they're very young apart from you know deandre edlin who was in the world cup i think deandre edlin's good though because he has a lot of that world he has that world cup experience that he's bringing to the table but i think we got a young group and i think we're we're ready to get after it yeah, I mean, talking about that number nine, I'm actually interested. You left the name off, Adam, that 
I, I love him and Jordan Pifak at Union Berlin. I, I He puts goals in the back of the net. I mean, I, I don't think Bert Holter's a, a big fan of him. He got left off of whatever that list was. Was it 27 or yeah whatever you know I, but i i think he's one of the better strikers in this u.s you know system but to your point you know staying healthy we've got we've got quality players you know they're all we have a lot of players that are playing in europe that are playing in the big five um you mentioned the midfield there's a great number of players there um you mentioned adams um you know weston mckinney you kind of left him off there playing at juventus and that that's just another name to the firepower that shows how good the midfield is when you can name off three great players and you, you know, you don't even talk about a guy who's playing at one of the top Italian clubs. Well, yeah, and that's kind of showing like, sorry, but like, I, that's kind of showing like, I mean, I mean, even with 2026, I know we shouldn't be looking past 2022, but 2026 in America, a lot of those players are going to be entering their prime on stuff. So it's exciting kind of for the future of American soccer. Very exciting. We were, uh, we were averaged out like our ages for the team and we have the youngest average age for the World Cup team. So bright future ahead if people can stay healthy. And it'll be in the United States. So, you know, maybe, uh, maybe a home team bringing it I guess keeping it at home rather than bringing it home yeah. in 2026. Coming home. <laughs> um, but yeah, with that being said, moving on to Group C, uh, still with that same order. Yeah. So uh, Group C is kind of a three horse race again. Saudi Arabia is going to finish dead last. They don't have that striking power. They don't have creativity in the midfield. There's just not enough for them to get past this group stage. Argentina, I've got top in the group. It's going to be a really good game against Poland, I believe, because Poland is fairly consistent. They have a strong squad. They've got one of the best goal scorers that has ever graced this earth in Robert Lewandowski. They've got Chesney in net. They've got a solid back line, especially that right wing back. Matty Cash plays for Aston Villa. I think he's a fantastic player. Zielinski in the midfield plays for Napoli, also a fantastic player. Krachowiak, a little bit past his prime, obviously, but a solid number six. But uh, I think that Poland is also going to make it out, and Mexico is going to finish third, which is against a lot of people's ideas. But uh, I don't think Mexico has enough firepower. They've got Ochoa in net, who played out of his mind in the 2014 World Cup, but he's far past his prime. And the only player who really stands out for me in this Mexico team is Erving Lozano who's a winger from Napoli. And, you know, in the last World Cup in 2018, he performed very well, but it wasn't enough for me to outplay Argentina and Poland. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you there. I mean, I, I think, I think the Mexico Poland game is going to be a great game. I really do. I think it's going to be a great game, but I think, I think Poland's going to eke it out and then that'll kind of push them over the edge of second. I think Argentina gets first. I mean, Lionel Messi, I mean, he's a little past his prime, but it's still Lionel Messi, so you can never beat that. Getting back into a run of form again at PSG, so he's been performing very well in the Champions League, so we'll see if he can carry that over. I mean, I'd even argue, is there such thing as being out of your prime if you're Lionel Messi? Because his out of your prime is better than 80% of players' primes. Um, but yeah, with that being said, Argentina is the obvious top group, Um you know, they'll top the group. 
they again like England, they're a favorite to win the tournament. I think maybe not as much so as England, but you know they have a phenomenal team, and you have one of the greatest players to ever play the game. Yeah. Um. As for the other three, Saudi Arabia, not a shot. I don't even know if I can name a player on that squad. In fact, I I don't I don't even think that anybody comes to mind. Um, but other than that, Mexico, Poland, like Ethan said, it'll be a phenomenal game. I think there's there's good pieces on both squad, you know, both squads. You know, they're not the most complete, but they've, you know, they've got their their firepower to each their own. I'm gonna go with what Adam said. I think there's a little more when it comes to Poland. I'm a big fan of Robert Lewandowski. Um, you know, I, I think he puts he puts a couple of goals in the back of the net, and Poland will make it to the knockout stages. And he has been doing that at Barcelona. Everybody thought it was going to be a difficult transfer from Bayern to Barcelona, but he has picked up right where he left off and is top scorer in the league so far. So, yeah, he's he's in phenomenal form. I think that's one thing that you know comes different with the the uh, the World Cup being at the time that it is is you know it is right in the dead middle of a lot of you know the big five seasons and you're seeing that both on the good part with you know good form of certain players but you're also seeing it with the injuries we talked about you know I know uh, Son for Tottenham I think he just had surgery on his eye or something like that or. You know, Alfonso Davies came up in his game. So you're it's interesting having the World Cup so late in the year and right in the middle of a lot of these big league, you know, seasons. Yeah, it's kind of a blessing and a curse because you know, you can either have that extra three months to prepare and you know play with your club team and then get into the World Cup. You know, if you're on a good run of form, hopefully carry it over. But like you said, those injuries are just plaguing teams right now. Enough about the uh the the Injuries and stuff. Let's get back into the the groups uh, with Group D. All right. So this one, again, no surprise. Tunisia's finishing last. You know, they just they don't have it for me. They've got they've got Kazri, and he's really only the standout player on that team. And he's not even really that standout. He used to play for Southampton, and I just I wasn't very impressed with him. And I don't think he can carry a whole team. Uh, I've got Australia in third. Once again, nobody really sticks out. In 2014, when they had Tim Cahill, they had a decent shot of making it out, but this year it's just not doing it for me. Denmark, I've got finishing in second. Uh, they played extremely well at the Euros with one of their best players out in Christian Eriksen. Christian Eriksen is now fit, finding a little bit of form at um and Manchester United. You know, they've got they've got solid strikers in Casper Dolberg and Yusuf Polson. Uh, I think if Dolberg finds some form, which he hasn't been recently, but if he does, I feel like he could be a solid player. Um, also, they got Thomas Delaney, fantastic number six, he used to play for Dortmund. I think he's at Sevilla now. Uh, Simon Kier, he's a fantastic center back, great leader, showed that at the Euros in 2016. Uh, also, goalkeeper, Kasper Schmeichel. Fallen off a little bit, a little bit. But he has done extremely well recently. I think that transfer from Leicester has given him a better shot at uh, showing what he can really do. But um, I'm thinking Denmark in second. And to no surprise, this doesn't need an explanation, but France is going to finish in first and top group. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking like I'm I'm kind of like on the same. I don't think Tunisia and Australia have a shot, really, if I'm being honest. But I'm just looking at this Denmark midfield. I mean, you got Thomas Delaney, Christian Eriksen, Pierre Emil Hoiberg, Matthias Jensen, and Mikel Damsgaard, just to name a few. Like, that's a solid, that's a great midfield. Like, a really good midfield. So I think that's going to be one of the controlling factors for them. And then, obviously, France, they won the last World Cup. They've got a lot of talent on that team once again, so. They're gonna they're gonna win that group, I think. Yeah, and uh, I've noticed that <clears throat> in the past couple of World Cups, normally the nation that won the tournament the year before struggles a lot. Like uh, last last World Cup, twenty eighteen, Germany were champs in twenty fourteen, and I don't think they even made it past the group stage in twenty eighteen. So there's kind of this almost curse where the past nation has not made it past the group stage where it's not performed as well as they were believed to but i think france is overruling that this year just because, like like you said australia and tunisia just have no chance yeah it, it's really one of those groups where there's a clear cut too and there's a clear cut too that won't make it um to your point tunisia and australia just they they don't have the squad at all they don't have depth they don't even have guys that you know i would consider quality starting and starting 11 mm -hmm. but you know there is that little bit of a world cup curse with france I, i'm a big fan of this denmark squad and i'll talk a little bit about them later i don't necessarily think that they're going to top the group but I, I think they'll give france a little bit of a run for their money but, you know, when it's all said and done, France are the reigning World Cup champions. A lot of that team is turned over and, you know, a lot of that team is still there. But it's going to be France. It's going to be Denmark without a question. Yeah. And uh, one notable thing about France is uh, Varane, one of their starting center backs, uh, he just got injured in a game for Manchester United. So that might affect them a little bit, but they have the depth in their squad where they can just slide somebody else right into that spot. And I don't think it's going to affect them as much. That is about halfway there, you know, going through group D, but I think that we've kind of been in agreement for everything. I think, you know, as hard as it is to pick teams, we've pretty much been on the same page. I don't even think we've had a pick different really yeah. outside of, maybe teams that don't make it and where their position is. Um, We've had all of the same teams going through as of yet. And I think that's partially because, you know, I, I don't think there's necessarily a group that has four teams that have a shot at finishing one. I, I would argue that maybe group B does. I would argue group B, but I don't know about finishing number one. I, I, I think it's going to be competitive for that second qualifying spot. I out of the four we just mentioned, that one will probably be the most competitive with all four teams. Yes, for sure. Yeah, I mean every every other every other group, I think we mentioned that there's a clear cut last team, whether it's Qatar, Tunisia, Saudi Arabia, that group B, it's going to be one to watch for sure. It really is. Um, moving into the second half of the group stages, Group E. I had Canada being fairly competitive oh yeah that is that is group f that is group f i'm looking at the wrong one but uh this one is supposed to is by by the numbers it's supposed to be the most competitive spain germany japan and costa rica costa rica again for me doesn't have that firepower they, they just don't uh they've got a fantastic goalkeeper in Keylor navas but if they're going to absorb that much pressure 
there's going to be some goals that are bound to go in past him. Japan doesn't really have a standout player for me. Uh, Germany and Spain, it's going to be difficult to choose which one tops the group. But um, I think I'm going to go with Spain. They've got they've got some young talent, especially in uh, Ansu Fati. You know, Alvaro Morata has been struggling recently, but um, I, I feel like he'll find form again. He seems to go on like a run of good form and then bad form and then good form. So he's just back and forth. But um, Oyarzabal, a left winger for um, Real Sociedad, he's going to perform well. They've got creativity in the midfield and uh, solid center backs, like Sergio Ramos being one of them. Uh, an interesting decision from the manager to leave De Gea out of the squad. He is fairly inconsistent, and we saw that at the last World Cup. I remember uh, Ronaldo's goal against them when they tied 3-3. De Gea kind of slipped up. But um, for the most part, De Gea is a very solid, fairly solid keeper. So I don't agree with the decision to leave him out because I don't think Unai Simon can play as well as he can. But... Um, yeah, I've got Spain top in the group, uh, Germany in second. Also, got a lot of good talent. Unfortunately, Timo Werner just got injured recently, so he will be unable to play in the World Cup. But, you know, they've got other strikers that can slot right in. Uh, Marco Royce, probably his last World Cup. Uh, Manuel Neuer, I don't know if he's going to be able to play because of his recent cancer diagnosis. But they've got a fantastic backup in Marc-Andre Ter Stegen. And uh, I just think the creativity in the midfield with Cruz and Royce and, you know, also uh, Kimmich, Joshua Kimmich is going to be a huge player for them. So I'm going with Spain first, Germany second, Japan third, and Costa Rica in fourth. Yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm thinking definitely Costa Rica fourth, like Japan third. I don't know. I'm, I just like, I remember... I know it was eight years ago, but I remember what Germany did in the World Cup um eight years ago, and you know how they had like guys like Thomas Muller still on the team. I I'm leaning towards maybe Germany edging out that group. Maybe I think how it plays. I think how it plays out honestly is I think those two teams tie, and I think maybe Spain somehow ties another like maybe a Japan or um Costa Rica, and then Germany kind of just wins the other two games, and Germany gets in. I think the Spain Germany game itself will be a tie. But I think Spain could drop a couple points in one of the other games. But like like you said, it's it's a tough battle. Both two teams um would deserve to be in first place. Um, so I, I but I'm going to take Germany just ahead of Spain. You know, we just talked about how competitive each one of those first four groups were. I think this is a group that probably has the most firepower towards the top. I think both Spain and Germany are, you know, betting odds in the top five, maybe six of the teams to win it. Um, I think that puts them clear cut going through, whether it's Spain up top, whether it's Germany up top, I think that that's going to be a fairly close race in itself. I don't know. I think both of you made pretty good points that, you know, there, there could be a point dropped for Spain. I think, but that could go similarly with, you know, Germany. I think Germany could also drop a point, you know, here and there. Um, they both have great depth. I think I'm going to go Spain one, Germany two, and then stick with, you know, Adam's prediction of Japan three and Costa Rica four, but needless to say, it's, it's going to be a quality group at the top. And I'm interested to see who, you know, comes out on top. 
Going into Group F, Adam, you can finally talk about your Canadian team. Yeah, so uh, originally I, I had the Canadian team doing fairly well. But recently with that loss of Alfonso Davies, that's going to hit them so hard because he is one of their top talents. Granted, they do have Jonathan David, who I think is a fantastic player up top. Just having Davies at the back line, having that leadership, having that speed, having that creativity, having that work rate that he has gotten from Bayern Munich, that is going to be a huge loss for them. And I think that that loss is going to have them sitting at the bottom of the table. Uh, Morocco. I think Morocco has kind of slept on, to be honest. You know, they've got they've got a solid team. They've got Yassim Bounou, who plays in La Liga. They've got Ashraf Hakimi, who is a very solid player at PSG. Not only is he a very good defender, but he can attack as well, and he's got that pace. Um, they've got Ziyech on the right wing as well. Not so much creativity in the midfield, but they also have uh, a player in who you guys probably have not heard of, but Hamdala. He played extremely well last season. Yeah, strong number nine, very good at hold-up play. So maybe him and Ziek can get something going. But I still think they're going to fall a little bit short. I think they're going to finish in third. Croatia and Belgium. Croatia was in the, uh, the finals of the last World Cup, and they had an extremely solid run. But Belgium, for me, just has a stronger team. They've got Squad depth, young talent, whereas Croatia is kind of focused on the kind of old workhorses in the midfield. You know, Modric, Rakitic, up top they've got Mandzukic, Parasic, you know. And I think that Belgium's back line is looking a lot stronger than Croatia's as well. And in goal, you've got Thibaut Courtois, who has been incredible for Real Madrid. And uh, also you've got both Hazards, although Eden has not been in great form, but Lukaku. Kind of fell off at Chelsea, went back to Inter, picking up form again. Yuri Tielemans, who has been in fantastic form at Leicester. Kevin De Bruyne, like Dries Mertens. It, it's just, it is a solid, deep squad for me. And I think they're top in the group with Croatia second. Yeah, I mean, I will say with the Alfonso Davis thing, they're saying there's a shot he could come back. And he's not really in too much danger of missing the World Cup. That's what a lot of people I've been looking up are reporting. So that might be a big boost for them. Nonetheless, I think Belgium won. I mean, I, I don't I don't really see a way where Belgium doesn't win, like doesn't get number one, obviously, unless some extreme circumstances happen. Um, I'm gonna go Morocco fourth. I mean, I'm just I'm not I'm not very high in Morocco. Um, I'm just not um and then I'm even with Davies back, I think the old workforces of Croatia, I think they're gonna go up in the second because I mean, look what they did in the 2018. No one expected them to be there. They go through to beat England, go to the final, and they, they, they did lose to France, but no one expected them to make the final in 2018. I'm not saying they're going to make a similar run to that, but I, I think they can get out of this group um, over Canada. You know, I, I think that, I guess if there are reports that Davies could possibly be back, I think he's really a big deciding factor for how that group goes. He is, you know, probably one of the best, outside backs in the whole entire world between his pace and you know he he's he's quality and i think that canada could probably go i don't know they definitely i don't think they could win the group but if he if he's there you know i i could see a world where they maybe make it out if he's not there you know I, i'm on the same wavelength as adam I, I don't think they're gonna do too much of anything um and then you know i i didn't realize until you started listing off players that 
Morocco does have some very solid, you know, European league talent there. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they've got a good team, but I, I was, I'm, I'm a fan of Croatia's midfield. I, I don't know how you can't be there. They're a phenomenal group of players. It probably is that last World Cup for them. I know people kind of said that last World Cup where it was like, oh, you know, they're they're their early 30s. It's it might be their last World Cup. It's Croatia's golden age, but you know, they're they're back. They're a little bit older, but maybe it's their last one. I think that could kind of be said about a lot of the unfortunately the greats of our era. Yeah. Um, but Belgium, Belgium's number one. I I, you know. To the points that have been brought up, they just have the better squad. Davies is going to be that guy that I think controls the bottom three and who goes through if he's there, possibly Canada. If not, you know, I think Morocco could maybe turn some heads, but ultimately I would probably say Croatia is the second best team overall in that group. Yeah. Group G, getting to the last two here. Group G is going to be competitive. A lot of people would not agree with me on that. I I don't know about Cameroon. Cameroon, I've got sitting in fourth. I don't think they're going to perform very well. But Serbia, for me, is the biggest dark horse of the tournament. The biggest dark horse. They have very solid players. And Mitrovic up top, who has been in great form for Fulham. They've got Tadic. They've got in the midfield... Used to be Matic. I don't know if he's going to make the squad this year, but Milinkovic, Savic, and you've got his brother in goal. I think that they've got a decent shot of getting out of this group, but Switzerland as well, solid squad. Obviously, I'm a little bit biased in liking Granite Shaka, but the back line of Switzerland for me, solid. Jan Sommer in net. You've got Akanji at center back. You know, uh, Alex Rodriguez at left back. Also in um in attack, you've got Safarovic, Zuber, Shakiri. Like they're not the biggest name players, but they work together very well, you know, kind of just a cohesive unit. So it's gonna be competitive between Switzerland and Serbia, but Serbia doesn't have a very strong backline for me. So I'm going with Switzerland in second and Serbia in third, and to no surprise, Brazil's gonna to top the group with all three wins. Yeah, I think I think Brazil will be top. And I think the Serbia Switzerland, whoever makes it, is gonna come down to when they play each other. And they play each other the like they play each other December 2nd at 8 p.m. That's literally the last like game for the group. So we could we could be deciding this, you know, that game. So I'm really excited for that game. I'm thinking I think I think like I'm gonna go with Switzerland. I think that back line, Granite Jack, I think that's going to be hard to top. But and I think then Serbia will be a really close third. That one's going to be that that one's going to be close. Yeah, Brazil. I think I've said it about a number of teams, but again, it's another one of the odds-on favorites to you know win the whole entire World Cup. I feel like it happens every year where you know one of the favorites don't make it through. I don't necessarily think that's going to be Brazil this year. They're it's a competitive group, you know, as Adam said, but. <laughs> class of the field when it comes to Group G. Switzerland, Serbia, you know, there, there are good points being brought up. I think I'm a little more familiar with Switzerland, and that kind of leads towards my pick for them. 
but you know, and Serbia is right. They do have a a solid a solid team. I'll be hundred percent honest. I didn't even realize that Mitrovic was Serbian. Um, <laughs> that that's got me rethinking my pick a little bit. As you know, he skull scores skulls goals in the championship, and he scores he scores goals. I don't know why that's so hard for me to say, but he, he scores goals in the Prem. Um. Needless to say, though, I think I am going to stick with my gut and go Switzerland at two and Brazil at one. All right. Leads us to that, the last group before we get into a few more categories. But uh, Group H? Yeah. Uh, I, I have a feeling that this group is going to be fairly competitive as well. Um, you know, Ghana performed fairly well at the 2014 World Cup. You know, they've got they've got a couple of standout players. You know, obviously, once again, a little bit biased, but Thomas Partey really does it for me. He's finding very good form at Arsenal. Has scored two worldies in the past couple weeks. So, but uh, I don't think they really have that goal scorer that they need. So I've got Ghana finishing last. Uruguay and Korea, they are going to compete they're going to compete because Uruguay doesn't really have that star striker in Luis Suarez anymore. He's kind of fallen off. You know, they've got Darwin Nunez, but for me, he hasn't found form recently. He hasn't. But uh, maybe with, you know, uh, Valverde at Real Madrid, maybe they can work something out. And But uh, they, Uruguay just isn't doing it for me this year. So if Son is healthy... And also, I think Huang Hee Chan for Wolves, he's going to be a big player for Korea as well. I'm thinking that if both of them are healthy, that Korea can pull out a second-place spot. But uh, if Nunez and Valverde find a run of form together, then Uruguay's got a good shot too. Portugal, I've got top in the group. Also, like, very solid squads, you know, all the way through from defense to attack. They've got, let's see, Portu- Portugal has Ronaldo up top. You got Renato Sanchez in the middle, Bernardo Silva. Not so much anymore, but Quaresma, I don't know if he's even making the squad. They've got Pepe, Jose Font, Ruben Diaz, Nuno Mendes, you know. And they've just got a solid squad all around. And granted, Ronaldo has fallen off a little bit, but I think once he gets back into this Portugal side, that he's going to get more minutes, he's going to get more time on the ball, and he'll find his run of form again. But uh, I'm saying Portugal in first, and... Uh, We'll go Korea in second, Uruguay third, Ghana last. Yeah, I think my pick really depends on the health of Young Ming Sun. I think if 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 he's healthy and he's in the World Cup, South Korea gets second. If he's not, I think Uruguay gets second. I think it comes, it comes, it boils down to that. So, but I'm 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 saying Portugal definitely first and Ghana definitely last. But I think Uruguay and um South Korea, it depends on the health of Sun for me. Yeah, I'm gonna agree. You know, with that the number one spot, Portugal. How do you just like Messi? How do you be, how do you bet against a team that Ronaldo's on? Um, you know, a phenomenal player with a bunch of great players in the supporting cast. You know, Adam kind of took the the mentions away from what I was gonna say, but you know, to his point, there is very quality players in that side. I think they top it for me. You know, gone gone is last. They're they're not what I'm debating about, obviously. But you know, those two other teams, Korea and Uruguay, both not you know the most perfect teams, but they have their players. 
Um, sun's obviously a huge factor, but I, I'm not entirely sure if, even with him in the squad, if he's going to be enough. So I, I, I'm going to go a close two and three, but I think I'm going to put Uruguay through. I think that they've got, you know, they've got some older talent. Is Cavani going to make the squad? Is he in there? I don't know. The inconsistency that he's had recently, I even though Darwin Nunez has had the same sort of inconsistency, Nunez has, you know, the better energy. He's a lot quicker. I personally think he's better at holding up the ball and making runs in between the defenders. So uh, I don't know if Cavani makes it this year. I'm going to be honest. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's going to be tight. I, I think that... I'm going to go Uruguay, and that might honestly be my first pick that differs from literally every single other pick. But you know what? We'll have a little bit of a, a disagreement there, but I, I think we can all agree that it, it is going to be a close group for that two and three spot. For sure. Um, I say we get in, you know, maybe not go through the whole entire tournament, but uh, Maybe talk about a few teams that we think actually have a shot at pulling it off and winning the World Cup. All right. So for me, my top two teams are Brazil. Just Brazil has such a solid squad. They listed off yesterday. They've got Ederson, Allison, both of those keepers. They're two of the top keepers in the world. So if one's injured, you don't have to worry about anything. You know, the center backs, you've got Thiago Silva, Marquinhos. Yes, they're older, but Thiago Silva is still tearing it up in the Premier League. Right backs, you've got Danny Alves, who's also a little bit older. You've got Danilo. And the right back's struggling a little bit, but left back, you've got talent again. You've got Alexandro, you've got Alex Telles. And the forwards and the midfielders for this Brazil team are going to be the most important. And I think they have the talent and the depth in both of those aspects. In the midfield, you've got Casemiro, who has lost a little bit of form at Manchester United, but he's still such a solid player. You've got Bruno Guimaraes, who's playing at Newcastle. Found fantastic form once again. Uh, up top, very important, very important. Gabriel Jesus, obviously, I'm a big fan, but he has not been in very good form recently. He's gone nine games without a goal. But I'm thinking that with the strength of this Brazil team, he can find form again. Neymar, up top, last World Cup. He talked about it. I think he's going to be in fantastic form with the way he's been playing at PSG. Gabriel Martinelli, young talent. Vinicius Jr. is going to be a massive player for Brazil. He's got that pace. He's got the power. He's got finishing. He he is just a very well-rounded attacker. So uh, also Anthony extremely good foot skills he will be tearing it up down the wing so i think brazil have a fantastic shot at winning this world cup and uh the second team that i can see winning it which probably a lot of people would not agree with me but it's belgium you know they have just such a solid squad for me and i'm thinking that with a solid defense they can pull it out because their midfield is not struggling whatsoever. Their attack force is not struggling whatsoever. So if Lukaku can bag some goals and, you know, their defense can stay solid, I think they've got a solid shot. Yeah, my my top my top two teams, I'm going to go with England. I mean, I think this attacking squad they have 
Bukayo Saka, Harry Kane, Marcus Rashford, Jack Grealish, Phil Foden, Tammy Abraham, and Raheem Sterling. Like, that's a that's a heck of an attacking squad. Not obviously not all of those guys are gonna get in, but again, if guys get injured, you don't have to worry too much, kind of because they can kind of like I don't know. They can come in after that. I don't know, I don't know how to word and I kind of just like lost my word, trying to thought for a second, but I just think England has a solid squad all around. You know, they made the semifinals in 2018. I mean, I think they could make the semifinals again and maybe even push further. And then my second team, eh, I I think Brazil, it has to be Brazil. I mean, like 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 you mentioned as well. Um, they've just got a solid squad all around. So much talent, like literally so much talent in that team. I think it's going to be hard to keep them out of that top two discussion. I think for my top two, I think that I'm going to agree on the Brazil pick. They've just got, they've got quality all around and it's in the form of both, you know, experienced players, Tiago Silva, you know, Neymar, they've got really good experienced players, but they also have that youth. Um, There's a number of players that are below what, 23, 24 that are very, very good players you know, in their own rights. And maybe they don't have that experience, but, you know, I, I think Brazil is one of those ones that you definitely have to look out for come finals day. For me, I'm going to make the argument for a repeat winner. I know it's not very popular um, and it doesn't happen too often, but what's changed in that France squad that, you know, makes them not of not a team that could win it all again, you know, maybe, Griezmann played pretty well in that that World Cup, and he's not playing nearly as well now. But the players are all there. It's it's more of a matter of form for me, I think. But you know, I'll make that argument for France. I know we're only doing two, but we talked about it a little bit before we recorded. I would love to make the argument for an Argentina Portugal final, despite who wins. I'm a little bit bigger of a fan of Messi than I am Ronaldo, but. I mean, how historic would it be for the last World Cup for two of the greatest of all time to play against each other? I think every soccer fan has dreamt of that day. But Um, uh, if if it does happen, I am a bigger fan of Messi, but I've got my bets on Portugal. If they do meet up in the finals, which I think is unlikely, but it is possible, uh, I think that Portugal is going to win it just because Argentina's backline lacks for me. And Jared, go back to your France thing. Another big player. I don't think they're gonna. Have, they're not gonna. Have, if if they even if they do, they're not gonna have the same Paul Pogba that they had in twenty eighteen, controlling that midfield. So I think that's gonna be very tough for them as well. But just a little point there. I, I think that's a fair point. I mean, they do have other players that yeah. can step in though, especially in uh, Chuameni, uh, just transferred from Monaco to Real Madrid over the summer, has been finding incredible form at Real Madrid, also partnered up with Camavinga, two very youthful, talented players. And I honestly think that either one of them can slot in and fill that role almost perfectly. And that, that's what you see when it comes to these, you know, powerhouse nations. You get, you know, maybe someone's off form, maybe someone's retired, maybe somebody's, you know, hurt, whatever it is. They've got those, you know, those guys, whether it's young, whether it's old, whether it's guys that have never made a World Cup before, but are, you know, just on the outside looking in the past couple of years, they, they've got those guys that can, you know, that, that can fill that role. Um, but yeah, maybe France won't repeat, you know, I'll, I'll admit that maybe that was a little bit of a bold pick by me, but again, they've, they've got a good squad. So 
I'm not going to change there, but uh, not necessarily your favorites to win, but who are some of your guys' sleepers that, you know, you could see making a deep run kind of like Croatia did just a couple of years ago? Uh, a little bit. I've got, I've got two of these. Denmark. I feel like Denmark can put up a very solid fight. You know, they will, if Argentina tops group C, they will meet each other in the round of 16. And I honestly think that Denmark might be able to pull that win out, you know, with the strike force of Yusuf Paulson, as you just showed me, Mela played very well at the Euros. Damsgaard played very well at the Euros. He's been struggling to find form recently in the Prem with Brentford, but uh, I think that they, like I said before, they have such a cohesive unit of players. And I think that with that teamwork, and especially what happened at the last Euros with Ericsson going down, that they're still going to have that fire in them. And I think they might make it pretty far. Uh, also, that's Switzerland and Serbia, you know? I still have Switzerland making it out of the group, but I feel like they could do all right, you know? If uh, Portugal tops Group H, then they'll play in the round of 16, and honestly, Switzerland has a shot for me. Not a very strong shot, but, you know, I think they could compete against Portugal. It won't, it won't be a blowout. I think that it will be a fairly close game. So if they can pull out a win against Portugal, they've got a good run. Yeah, I was my two were gonna be. I think the winner, whoever wins that um, Serbia um, Switzerland group, I think they're they're poised to make a large run. I mean, I I would also agree with Denmark, but I'm gonna be backing my, our country. I'm gonna be backing America here. I think, I think America could go on a huge run in this World Cup. I know, I know. I know a lot of people are going to go after me for saying this. And I know I'm, I'm I'm normal for making these outrageous bold claims, but I don't know. Some uh, there's something in the air. Something something's going on. From uh, something happening for me. I think I don't know. I think I think they can make a run. I, I've got a question for you. If the Netherlands does top Group A, do you think that if U.S. finishes in the second place of Group B, that they could beat the Netherlands in the round of sixteen? Never say never, but most most like most I'm mean, I'll say most likely not, but I eh, maybe I don't know. I'm very high on the U.S. this year. I I don't know. I'm I'm really high. Like, cause I know we're looking towards like 2026 being a really good year, but I don't know. I feel like this year something special could happen. But um, may I I think there's a shot, but. Not not a huge shot, but I think if they could beat the Netherlands, I that proves that they could go on a huge run. That's fair. You know, it, it's it's not a podcast here without Ethan making a hot take. But to your credit, I guess the whole entire point of a sleeper dark horse team is a team that's against odds. So, you know, Adam does bring up a good point. You know, Netherlands, Netherlands, they're a really good squad, but that's kind of what makes the dark horse sleeper team is that they're against odds. I'm not. I'm not backing you. That's not me saying the U.S. is my my sleeper team. Um, I I love our team. I love to watch them. I don't think this is our year. I think you got to look forward for you know 2026 when you know a lot of the teams in the prime. So I'm I'm not backing you, but I will at least give you credit where credit is due, or you know where I think it is. The one bit of notes that I wrote before this podcast and I showed Adam it while he was speaking about Denmark is 
how how I could go on and on about that that team. The run they made at Euros after one of their best players go down to you know a medical emergency. They they were just so such a fun team to watch. You know, it kind of opened my eyes to a number so number of players. Mela and Damsgaard, you know, were the two that really stood out to me that I didn't know before. Obviously, there was, you know, there were some good players on that squad that I knew, but those two kind of they they opened my eyes. I had never heard of them before the Euros. Um, it is a couple of years removed now, so I know it's not like they're in phenomenal form as a national team like a month before, but I, I really like that team. Um so much to the point where I don't even know if I have a second sleeper team. I think there are a number of guys, uh, you know, a number of teams that could make a run, but I, I'm so unbelievably high on Denmark being that sleeper team that I think that I'm all in on them. I think that's my one team that <clears throat> maybe they don't win it. Um, there's, there's a reason they're not the betting favorites, but they've got a really good side and they showed that in, Hey, they made it far in the Euros without Ericsson. He's back. He's in form. Who's to say they can't? Switching the pace up a little bit, who do we see just having an awful World Cup? Awful Cup. You know, okay, maybe not awful, but for you know, lack of better words, being a team that you're expecting to do well and just not doing it. That's what I was gonna ask, because like you could I could throw in Qatar as probably gonna have an awful World Cup. Okay, well yeah. that that's again <clears throat> that that's expected. Um, for me, honestly, uh, Mexico is that team because they performed fairly well in 2018. But for me, they just they don't have it this year because they're. I feel like a lot of people expect them to compete for a second place spot in Group C, but it's just it's just not going to happen for me. I think Poland's going to take it, and they're not going to play up to par where people believe they should. And honestly, I don't, I don't really think that uh, there's another team that people have really good expectations for and are going to fall off. But uh, I think Mexico is going to fit that standard in there. Yeah, I, I could see that. Um, I'm also, I don't know. I think, I I don't know who, but I think one of Spain and Germany could have. Uh, they could they could both make it, but I think one of them could maybe get knocked out early in the round of sixteen. I really do. I don't know. I just like. I don't see both of them making it too terribly far. The only reason I did, I, it's kind of a dumb reason. The only reason I disagree with that is, you know, we, we talked about the little bit of a past champions curse. I'm pretty sure Germany, obviously Germany was the team that, that happened to last world cup, but was Spain not the team that it happened to two world cups ago after they won in 2014. Yeah. Cause so, they won in yeah. uh, Africa in 2010. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't see either of those teams struggling. I feel like they've, you know, it, it is every four years, but I feel like they've had their struggles of the last, you know, a couple World Cups in the past ones. I guess there is that argument for France. I know we talked about that too. And then I went on to go and pick them as possibly one of my favorites. Um, I'm, I'm not going to make a comment on that one. But I think one of the unfortunate ones that it could happen to is – and for whatever reason, I feel like it could be Portugal or Argentina. I feel like there's such high expectations with the last World Cups of Messi and Ronaldo that <clears throat> I don't want to say overrating them because, you know, I, I did make the comment of Messi's prime is better. Messi's out of prime is better than 80% of players' primes. 
but I feel like we almost could be in a world where we're like, okay, it's what, 34, 35 year old Messi and 35, 36 year old Ronaldo or whatever they are. Ronaldo is going to be 38 next year. And then Messi is two years behind him. Okay. Yeah. But, you know, to my point, I don't know. You know, I I hate it because I'm the one that's pulling for that, you know, 90 minutes of the world stopping World Cup final of Messi versus Ronaldo. I think. Mm -hmm. That that could honestly have the highest viewership of World Cup play ever if that happens. But I don't know. I feel like maybe it's a little bit too high expectations for one of those squads. And I could see an unfortunate, you know, turn of events where one of them doesn't, maybe not doesn't make it out of the group stage, but I could see them having an early exit. Listen, I think a Ronaldo Messi World Cup could be one of the highest sports tel- televised events, like most viewership ever. Yeah. I really do. If those, um, if those who somehow make the World Cup final, I think everyone will be watching. Literally, not not literally everyone, but like I think that could be one of the highest sport, viewed sporting events of all time. I really do. Yeah, I I will second that. I mean, when when is the last time that you saw arguably the two greatest players of all time meeting in the finals? You don't see it in the NBA. Mm-hmm. You rare. You don't see it in the NFL. Um. A lot of the time, it's because of different generations. Um, yeah, that that's one of the biggest things. There's just there's so many different generational greats. You know, like there was Pele for Brazil, and then a couple a uh, couple years later there was Ronaldo, and then you know Cristiano came up after Ronaldo retired. Same thing with Messi. So this is one of the first times that we've had two world greats in the same generation. So it's going to be very interesting. It truly will be. And if it happens, I think that ESPN should um, <clears throat> contact me because I will be naming their ESPN 30 for 30 the 90 minutes that the world stopped. Because I, I think that's exactly what it would be if that's what happened. Moving on from you know the, the team aspect, there are going to be a lot of players in Qatar, a lot of quality players. I'm sure there will be players that break onto the scene that we've never heard of before. But who are you guys most excited to see? Who do you think is going to be, you know, maybe not player of the tournament, maybe not Golden Boot, but who do you guys, who are you guys looking forward to watching? There is one man in mind, as soon as you said that, Vinicius Jr. He's young, he's talented, he has been in incredible form. He won the Champions League for Real Madrid last season, and this is his first World Cup, and he is going to go balls to the wall. I think he is going to play as hard as he possibly can, and I'm so excited to watch it. Just that Brazilian magic, that flair, that work rate. I think he's going to be one of the best players in this World Cup, especially having that strong Brazil side behind him. Uh, Also, this is not very surprising, but De Bruyne, he just, he works magic on the ball. His long range passing, his short range, range passing, his vision is just all around incredible. And there are two other center mids on France. As I mentioned before, Kamavinga, Chouameni, they should both make the squad. With Pogba out or not playing up to his expectations, I think that those two together, especially working together at Real Madrid, can cause a big scene. So I'm excited to see all the young talent, but I'm also excited to see De Bruyne again. So, Yeah. I mean, I was going to say Vinicius Jr. I think that's going to be amazing to watch him play. Just so talented, so talented. And then I'm also going to say, if he's playing, Alfonso Davies. I think to be able to watch a guy try to, like, carry 
Canada, try to get to the second point. He's going to be going all like he will literally like probably like injure himself again trying to get a second place for his team if he's in there. But I think Alfonso Davies, he is just a, one of the best left backs right now in the world. So I, I think he's going to be a really exciting to watch. For me, it's not necessarily players that are, you know, at the top. I think those guys kind of go without saying. You know, I, obviously I'm excited to watch Messi, Ronaldo, Neymar, you know, all those guys that it's their last World Cup, which is, you know, a little bittersweet to think about. Those are the guys that we grew up with and that it's coming to the end for them, mm-hmm. at least on the world stage. Um, for me, I have four guys, two of which I've already talked about, you know, during this. And it's the two guys from Denmark that won me over last year. Um, and that's Mikhail Damsgård and uh, Joaquin Mela. I think that, you know, maybe it's a little bit of recency bias with how they, you know, performed at Euros, but they, they won me over and I enjoyed watching them. I think that not to stick with Denmark, but to see what Ericsson's able to do on the world stage after what happened at Euros, I think that's just a story in its own. Even if he doesn't perform world-class, you know, even if he's not phenomenal or the Ericsson that he was, you know, before, I think that's just a story in itself to watch him play, you know, after what happened. The other two, one that I don't even think was on my mind until you brought up that he was Serbian is Mitrovic. As I said, well, I guess tried to say because I couldn't say score goals, but he puts the ball in the back of the net time and time again. He is He's won the goal. We won the golden boot last year for the championship, right? Set a record for the most goals in a single season. Yeah. It's what he it's what he knows how to do. And obviously that's what you want from your striker. It's what you want from your number nine. I want to see how he performs on the world stage. Not that the Prem is like a, you know, a not it's obviously one of the greatest leagues, arguably the greatest league in the world. So I'm not saying that, you know, it's a different it's a super big step in competition, but there's something special about the World Cup. There is something truly special about the World Cup. And I'm interested to see, you know, does he bag a couple goals? Is he that, you know, potential golden boot winner? You know, he he might get dragged down by the fact that they might not even make it out of the group stage. But, you know, at least through the the, the group stages, I could see him being the leading goal scorer for the whole entire World Cup because he just – it's what he does. And then the last one, I'm going to go with the U.S., Um you know, Pulisic is that guy that a lot of people think of when they think of the United States. But I love watching Brandon Aronson play at Leeds. Yep. He mm-hmm. brings that energy. And I absolutely love it. Um, and I'm, I'm really interested to see how he plays. I am truly invested in watching Brandon Aronson. I have been following him since I have been a freshman in high school. He played at a local semi-pro team by me. I have his autograph on a jersey. And I've been watching him since he was 16 years old. And he is just a workhorse. He does not give up. And he played for the Philadelphia Union as well, transferred to uh, Salzburg in Austria. And he tore it up there. And that's why he's in the Prem right now. He's been playing incredibly. And um, his younger brother, Paxton, don't think he's going to make the World Cup squad. But uh, he's also on the up and up. So in 2026, looking a little bit into the future, Paxton's going to be in that starting squad as well. You know, one thing that I kind of, it's coming to mind right now is, you know, World Cup teams don't get to practice all the time, right? But you have an interesting um, 
you know, duo in Tyler Adams and Brendan Aronson, where they both play at leads together, they get, you know, they, they do have that chemistry that not necessarily World Cup teams lack, because obviously there is chemistry there, and that's why they're there. But two guys that play on the same club team, especially at the level that Aronson and Adams are playing at, you know, that, that could be one thing to look out for. But yeah, Aronson is just one of those guys. I, I Whether it's soccer or any sport, you got to love the guy that brings the energy. And he certainly does that. <clears throat> I mean, I think with that being said, unless anybody else wants to talk about the World Cup a little bit more. Uh, I, yeah, I've got, I've got one more question for you guys. Uh, goalkeepers. Who do we think is getting the Golden Glove? Oh, um, I think it's going to be one of the Brazil goalkeepers. I think it's it's Ederson or Allison. Honestly, both are absolute, both are absolutely amazing, and I mean both are with a solid squad. So I think either Ederson or Allison. Whoever, who are they saying is going to start in net for um Brazil? Uh, I believe as of now, Allison is the starter. I believe. I'll say Allison then. All right. What are you saying? For me, for me, I think Thibaut Courtois is the best goalkeeper in the world. I think obviously you've got guys, Ethan, you mentioned two of them that compete with him as one of the best goalkeepers in the world, but I don't think there's a single soul on this planet that is better between the pipes than Thibaut Courtois. And I think you're going to see it this World Cup. I think he will probably win the Golden Glove. I absolutely agree with you on that. That was the one man that popped into my head. Obviously, both Ederson and Allison are solid players, but I just think that Courtois has been in impeccable form recently. And not only does um, does he have the height difference over Brazil, but Brazil has a stronger back line. So I think more shots are going to get through to the Belgian keeper, and he will step up. I think I, that's, you know, obviously they're class goalkeepers. That's why they're there at the World Cup. But yeah. I, I don't think there's any, but I, there simply isn't. No. I, I won't even say I don't think. There simply is not a goalkeeper better than Thibaut Courtois when he is in form. Yeah. But, uh, Ethan, do you have any final questions? I don't. I'm just, I'm super excited that the, the World Cup is finally, we're finally back. It's been four and a half years. It's a little longer than usual to wait. So I think it'll be maybe a little extra special. Obviously, like we said, a lot of greats kind of like this may be their last go at it. So I, th- I think it's going to be a really exciting special World Cup. Yeah, and I, I will second that excitement, Adam. I'm sure you will third that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> it's it's I uh, maybe not one to remember for all time, but I feel like for us, this is going to be one for our generation to remember just because, as I mentioned, it's Messi's last one. It's Neymar's. I think he could come back, but he said that he's not going to. Yeah, Ronaldo, um, Modric, Lloris. Yeah. It's just top quality players. There are so many good players that it's going to be the last one. And I don't know. I think it's going to be really fun. I'm really excited for it. I believe the first games are as we're on Thanksgiving break. So uh, Yes, November 20th is the first game. Qatar versus okay. Senegal or Netherlands. Okay. One of the two. Yeah, I mean, but I'm not sure. Need, needless to say, I think I may be watching the World Cup instead of Thanksgiving football. Uh, that's <laughs> how excited I am. That that is how excited I am for this World Cup. There, there's 
there's just something special about it. I, I don't know what it is. I, I cannot put words to it, but when you watch the World Cup, it's it's something special. Yeah, and get ready, because since then, Qatar, we're gonna have some 5 a.m., 8 a.m. games. So you better yeah. you better be ready for that. Hey, we we sleep, we we sleep after the World Cup's over. There we go. <laughs> we sleep after the World Cup's over. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that's all I've got. <clears throat> I think that's all we've got. So, Adam, thanks for, you know, taking some time out of your morning because it is a little bit of an early morning for us college kids. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I appreciate you coming over here and sharing your expertise. I think it's pretty obvious that with all the players you named, you know your stuff. So, appreciate and it. I, I live and breathe soccer, so I love this. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Ethan, you want to hit us with that outro? Sure. So, for Love Sports, I'm Ethan Pager. And I'm J.R. Mizrak. Sign enough.